Oh my, the Holy Spirit is so present. Before I move to the message, uh, there are just so many thank yous that need to go forth from Jan and I in this handicapped season that, you know, I mean, really folks, you know, this isn't a handicap for me. You know, I mean, it's a good thing I still got this one, otherwise my mouth would shut, you know what I mean? <laughs> and don't pray that this one goes down because you want my mouth to shut either, all right? That's, uh, but anyway, we're doing our best, but everybody's been so kind and so precious and, you know, just so uplifting and uh, uh, your, your faithfulness and your kindness and, and how you've reached out and touched us. The word thanks is just, you know, it doesn't measure up. It, it really doesn't. And, uh, uh, but thank you. Thank you for your kindness. I mean, I'm just overwhelmed. I've had, I said, you know, I've been treated so well, I think I'm going to have the other one done. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, <laughs> if it wasn't for the long recovery period, I probably would, but I don't like the recovery period. We're glad you're here this morning. I see we have some visitors with us. <clears throat> I haven't met you before, but God bless you. Nice to have you with us. We hope to meet you uh, after the service. God's great. God's doing great things. And so thank you, thank you, uh, thank you. Can you believe this morning that you, have God, with regard to you, he has a priority about blessing you? A priority above all, all things, he wants to bless you. That's what the scripture says in, in, in John, third John chapter two. Here's the apostle writing on behalf of God, the Holy Spirit, conveying what God is, what is kind of first and foremost. Now in the King James Version, and everybody knows that's the best one, Right? <laughs> Hardest to understand, but it's still the best one. <laughs> now, we don't get into that. You can use either one of them up. But, but, but it does say, above all things, of all the things. I mean, there's a lot of things. But he said, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Imagine that your success, and not just the success as termed by the world, but your interest and God's interest in you and your life has, has got a priority in God's purposes. There's a lot of things in your life, but one of them is, in the first and foremost, is God wants to see you prosper. It says in Psalm 35 and 37, the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his saints. It's not your losses. It's your successes. God says, I've got pleasure in that. I love seeing that. You know, when he got done with creation, he said, it's good, man. It's good. And so he says, the prosperity of your soul. He's saying there, there's a, there's a harmonious relationship with God. 
First in priority is that God wants you to have a harmonious relationship with the Almighty. And he made that possible through Jesus Christ and through the presence of the Holy Spirit. A harmonious relationship. Oh, hallelujah. You know, you may not be right with God, but God's right with you. Hello? That's right. God's right with you. When Jesus Christ came and when he gave his life, you know what I mean? He went ahead and initiated, you know, took that anger of God and everything that, that put you at odds with God. And God says, I'm going to lay that down now just because of my son, Jesus Christ. God's got good thoughts. So he wants a harmonious relationship. And we know that, that that's priority, premium. To all the blessings in life is that you have a harmonious relationship with the Lord. Because, see, you can gain the whole world and lose your soul. And guess what? The bottom line is zero. It doesn't profit you a thing. So a relationship, a harmonious relationship with the Lord Priority, God's interested in you. Prosperity of your body, he says. He really wants you to live in health. He wants you to live in health so bad that he went ahead and said, you know, that when, when this one just fails, I'm going to give you another one that's not going to be susceptible. How many know that's covering all the bases? It really is. I didn't say he wasn't going to have any sicknesses or diseases. If he wasn't going to have any sicknesses or diseases, why did he, you know, bear our sicknesses and diseases then? He wanted to go ahead and make sure that there was, there was a doctor in the house. Yeah. Hallelujah. You want to know that there was a remedy, there was a cure for the things that were going to come. God's interested you get that, church, this morning? When we're praying for these people, God's interested in the health. God's interested in the well-being. It has a priority in God's heart and mind. I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health. Woo! Aren't you glad you're on that team? Then, of course, prosperity in other areas, the work of your hands. God wants the success of your hands. He wants it to come out good. You capture that? God wants the work of your hands to come out good. When he talks about prosperity, and you know, and he, says, he says, I want to see to it that you have a, that you, that you have a vision of life. How do you view life? As a man thinks in his heart, so, so is he. Need a life vision? Do you see life as a day that, you know, that's a day you're just doing your duties? Or do you see your life as, you know, fulfilling the purposes of God? Hallelujah. It was right that I married this woman. It was right that she, we were granted two kids. 
thrilled the purpose of life. It's my son helping to lead worship. It's purposes of God. Not just, you know, not just pieces falling together, but divinely arranged. Hallelujah. So don't get up tomorrow morning on Monday and look at life as a duty or just as a duty. Look at it as an opportunity to fulfill the purposes of God for your life and in your life. Yeah. That means, you know, getting up and going to work, somebody else's place, over being staying home and doing the dishes and changing diapers. I'm going to say washing diapers. don't do that anymore. We just change them. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Oh, God is so good. God is so good. But we've been talking about calibrating our lives. Calibrating our lives. And, uh, uh, you know, examine yourself. See whether you're in the faith or not. How is the faith that was once delivered, how are we doing with that element of, you know, uh, the preservation of it? You know what I mean? And then also the activity of that faith in our lives. How are we doing with it? And it says, you know, that some people concerning the faith have shipwrecked. Yeah, do you know your, your faith can shipwreck? I mean, it can fall in a lot of different areas. You can, you can, you can, you know, have had faith and then all of a sudden you don't have faith anymore. That's why you got to build yourself up in the most holy faith. <laughs> faith needs to have, you know, some, some, some everyday input. It's got to be encouraged. It's got to be fed. It's got to be challenged. And faith needs to have a purpose more than just your salvation. The book of Hebrews, chapter 11, is not a book of faith regarding salvation. It is a book of faith regarding individual purposes in individuals' lives. By faith, Noah built an ark. <laughs> so there's an individual purpose that, that, that faith is, is, you know, the, the, the possibility, the, the ability of faith is to really, you know, use your life to make an effective, you know, vessel and vehicle in something more than just yourself. Somebody tell me that's good preaching. A little louder, please. I don't hear. Okay, I don't hear very good. <laughs> but to calibrate our lives, we must start at the cross. You must start at the cross. Now, it's, just, it's not a new theme. It's not a new story. But, you know, it, from time to time it needs to be revisited and for many reasons so that we will live a cross-centered life. Paul was very, very uh, forth 
coming when he said, you know what I mean? There's only one place that gets my attention, that gets my praise, you know what I mean? That, that, that gets, motivates me, and that is the cross of Jesus Christ. It was the cross. He lived a cross-centered life. The cross helps us to establish a right point of reference. It'll help us be a generation that is not simply a, a, a generation as Christ, just part of our life, but that Christ is the center of everything that we do. You can enjoy what you do with Christ at the center of your life. Christ at the center of your life does not take enjoyment out of life. And so, each of us live lives that centered around something. And as believers, it needs to be centered around Christ. So when our life is centered around something, how do we discover what it is? It's that thing that you're most passionate about. How do I know what the center of my life is? That thing which you are most passionate about. It even comes to the point where it's what you talk about most. It is that which defines you the most. When it comes to this cross-centered life, God made the first move. He's the one that extended himself. And he didn't, didn't just extend a hand. He offered, you know what I mean, what we could refer to as a transfer. A double transfer. It was our sins that were imputed to him for his perfect righteousness. It was our exchange of death for his life. It was an exchange, our weaknesses for his strength, our poverty for his riches. Let's read some scripture this morning that they'll come up on the screen. And I trust they're as impacting to you as they are to me. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the cross was really the grace of God being acted out. You know what I mean? And being carried out. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. I wish him of all things. <laughs> Make that dynamic, dynamic change in your life. Next one, please. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, like silver and gold, from your aimless conduct received by the tradition from your fathers, 
but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. A total innocent one, but with the precious blood. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. That we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes we were healed. Hallelujah. I mean, just think about that one right there. By whose stripes you were healed. Uh, should be 521. That's okay. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I mean, we're not just making a little transition here, folks. This is not a small exchange. Then I love 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 14 and 15 says this. For the love of Christ compels us. Everybody say compels us. The love of Christ compels us. Because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Powerful passages. There's so many that want to blame God for the world's problems. The truth is, is God has done everything about man's greatest problem. He's done everything. We're living in a day when people and messages and and can I say churches are moving away from the message of salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. Moving toward a message of salvation through social activism and good works. And how many know those are all the results of salvation? But they don't replace salvation. We live in a time when... What used to be called sin is now called committed relationships. Don't be so quiet. When that used to be called killing the unborn is now called pro-choice. Instead of hearing that the life-changing news that Man is a sinner and he needs a savior. We hear that, tell them that I'm okay and you're okay. Today I want to remind us that that which took place on that day over 2,000 years ago when Christ died on the cross that that cross, the resurrection, they're all one, you know what I mean? Changed the trajectory of the future of life 
for everyone that will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. It gave hope. It says that we are in a world without hope. The day that Jesus died, the day that he rose again. Now, it may be true this morning that you may not be walking in this, you know, incredible, complete freedom that the cross provided for us, but it does not mean that it's not available. This Jesus, this Christ is is immeasurably greater than the prince of darkness. Just as light is immeasurably greater than darkness. So Jesus is immeasurably greater than the prince of darkness. It just cannot stick around when light moves in. Jesus said he's the light of the world. Heaven's newspaper and the headlines needs to read, it did read, and it needs to read every day. And the headlines would be that the cross and the resurrection. Fox News, Google News, CBS, NBC, all have major headlines. But off the press of heaven, every day, we as believers need to capture God's headline, and that is the cross. It's the Magna Carta of Christianity for you. History buffs, you probably know what I'm talking about. For those not a history buff, you don't know. It's basically a, you know, an English or England, you know, trying to bring two, you know, parties that were so divided together, and it was a writ with regard to that. It was a charter to make peace, the Magna Carta was. He has broken down every wall to make peace, the scripture says that Jesus did. So the cross is a Magna Carta of Christianity to make peace. The Magna Carta was also a promise of protection, that there would be fairness, there would be equalness, that the poor would go ahead and get the same, you know, kind of treatment when they came before the magistrates as the the rich would. We know that's not the case in the secular world, but... Hallelujah. I'm so glad that the cross, you know, tells us that rich or poor. No matter what the race. Circumcised or non-circumcision. You know what that means? Circumcision around circumcision? Those who had a good start and those who didn't have a good start. Because the circumcised were the ones that had the word of God first. How do they know to be circumcised, you know, under the plan of God? But uh, again, the uncircumcised, they didn't even have that. But they had circumcision, some of them had in the heart. But do you see that? It's just, the cross does that. 
It's the greatest document of all times, the cross. And it is the foundation of freedom. The cross is God's bridge. It's God's bridge. There is one mediator, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. There is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. And just settle in it, folks. Settle and rejoice in it. Don't have to worry what, you know, what other headlines say. This is what heaven says. This cross is the most liberating, the only redeeming, and the most costly. It is the most significant and glorious work in all of human history. The cross of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Should be inspiring. Inspiring. Paul said, I know in whom I have believed. We need to get some knowing going on in our soul, in our spirit. I know in whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded. No matter what comes, it's not going to separate me from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus because it's already been written, it's already taken place, it's already sealed, signed, and delivered. God loves me. Did you know the cross? All satanic decrees have been overruled. Somebody give the Lord a praise. Maybe that hadn't been told me, but all satanic decrees have been overruled. The cross. All tried cases have been overturned. The guilty from yesterday's cases before the cross have now, you know what I mean, been given a brand new trial. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, having disarmed principalities and powers. The cross takes the captives who've been captured and placed in dungeons and it restores it to the estate of humanness and also relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, the mediator. Yes, he is, folks, the only one 
by which you can have peace with God is Jesus Christ. And he's the one who did it all. The cross. The writer of that song said, oh, so I'll cherish the old rugged cross. It's the compelling thing in my life. The cross. Because of the cross, I win my battles. Because of the cross... I can expect victories. Because of the cross, you know what I mean? My tomorrows have been secured. Because the cross, church, is more than a token of charm. It's more just an emblem of Christianity. It's the only haven of safety. It is the mercy of God granted to us through Jesus Christ, the cross represents a life breathed upon by the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit. The cross, Paul said, God forbid that I should boast or glory but in the cross of Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. He's saying that the cross is both the climax and it's the key. The key. It's the key to joy. It's the key to growth. It's the key to passion. The cross is the blazing fire of which the flame of love is kindled. The cross, let me say it again, is the blazing fire of which the flame of love is kindled. But you have to get close enough to it for its sparks to fall upon you. Yeah. It's not just a song to sing about, an event to sing about. It is a place to behold. And at the cross, you begin to feel the effects of those flames and those sparks. Paul says that everything in the world is dead to me. He says it has no pull. The cross is the only power that can weaken the pull of the world in your life. This is an old one, but Maybe some will remember it. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. 
The cross is a restorer of sight. The cross. Oh, hallelujah. I, did you know that the cross, when it says that to whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world, it means also that the character of the world has been condemned because of the cross. Its teachings are despised. Its pleasure, its honor, its treasures are rejected. Its threats are made of nothing. It is soon passing away. And its glory is fading. And there's one that gets brighter and brighter and brighter. It's the cross of Jesus Christ. The gospel of the cross, you know, is history's only essential message. The gospel of the cross is history's only essential message. Everything had to be dealt with before anything could be released. We walk and we enjoy all the wonderful things in the promises of God. But until the sin issue... now. The, 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 the posture of God toward it had been taken care of, there would have been no release. And so when that was taken care of, all of a sudden, there was release. We enjoy the fellowship and the communion of the Holy Spirit today. Paul said that he found great joy and fulfillment, and he placed unequal value in the cross. In the cross. Paul said, I just, not going to boast, but in the cross. And only one time did he go ahead and say that they, they forced him to on the human level. I believe that there's more to be learned at the foot of the cross than anywhere else. More to be learned at the foot of the cross than anywhere else because it is God's altar. It is the altar of God that lets us know that sin is a curse because curse is everyone that hangs on a tree. It shows the level of what we're dealing with because in the Jewish history, the primary role of punishment in death was stoning. It was stoning. It was not the cross. That was a Roman thing that was brought in. But it was brought in because if you remember, a tree was involved in the garden for the entry of sin. 
and a tree is involved in the removal of sin. At the cross, on a hill far away, stood an old rugged cross. The life-giving blood of God was shed for our forgiveness and power for our rest, restoration. At the cross, all the wounds of sin are healed and they're placed upon the Lord of the world, the Lord of creation. He was wounded for our transgressions. Getting ahead of myself. On the cross, the Lord Jesus Christ tore up the manuscript of Adam's sin and accomplished salvation of man, Colossians 2 and 14, having canceled the charges that were against us, taking it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. The cross is where the grace and wrath of God meet. A place that, the sacrifice that appeased the anger of God. Have you, can you recall or have you ever done any studies, you know what I mean, scriptural studies and seen the anger of God? Hello. (laughs) It's not pretty. Now, but here at the cross, the anger of God is quelled. The anger of God is quelled and, and, and there is a release. It's the intersection of love and justice. I'm saying these things and I hope you capture, I tried to paint a picture. At the cross is where you meet a friendly God and not an angry God. At the cross, sinners are offered forgiveness. Rebels are offered amnesty. Enemies are offered friendship. And outsiders are offered a place in God's family. At the cross. At the cross, and because of the cross, you can sit down at the table of God and not feel like an intruder or an outsider. At the cross. You know, it's home. It's family. At the cross, you can dig in. You know, if you go to a stranger's house, you kind of watch everybody. I don't know. See how they do it, and you want to be careful, you know, to make sure you, you, you do it all right, because it's not home. At the cross. 
Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And God takes care of the present days and assures us of the future. Romans chapter 3, being justified freely by grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. It's good news for all you bad people. (laughs) Whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through, through faith. So you've got to believe in it. I believe that this faith is, number one, you have to believe in the virgin birth. See, not just anybody can die and accomplish this. You have to believe in the virgin birth. You have to believe, you know what I mean, in Jesus Christ as being the Son of God. You have to believe, you know what I mean, in the, in the work of God. You have to believe, you know what I mean, in, in his sacrifice. Ask my musicians to come. At the cross is where life comes out of death. The cross is the great invincible weapon that conquers all. Let me say it again. The cross is the great invincible weapon that conquers all. The cross is God's statement of his love for the lost of the world. It needs to become ours. The cross is God's statement for the love of the world. It needs to become ours. I have to say it again. The cross is God's statement of his love for the world. It has to become ours. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. God does not send us into the world to condemn the world, but to preach the gospel of the cross. Hallelujah. The cross. The cross. I think I'll, I will continue this next Sunday, but I want to conclude this morning with three points and on the compelling power of the cross. First one being the cross should compel gratitude. It should compel gratitude, appreciation. 
Let me tell you a story, or in essence, read a story to you. Just little excerpts of a story. One night in Lake Michigan, everyone knows where Lake Michigan at if you're from here. A side-wheeler steamboat was rammed by another boat. This actually happened. These are true. The steamboat sank just a mile offshore from the village of Winnetka, Illinois. There were, 900 and, or there were 393 people on board. 279 of them drowned. There was a man that was on the shore. His name was Edward Spencer. As he observed the situation, he plunged into the lake and swam to the drowning people. He towed one person to shore and then one after another. In all, he brought 17 people to safety. However, think about this. The strain on this young man caused him to collapse. The nerves in his legs were so completely destroyed that he could never walk again. He spent the rest of his life as an invalid in a wheelchair. On his 80th birthday, someone asked him to relate his most vivid memory of that dreadful day. And he replied, not one of the 17 returned to thank me. Not one of the 17 in gratitude. The compelling thing of the cross is, without a doubt, should be gratitude. Amen? Amen, church? We're in this thing together. You know? The second thing the cross should do, it it should compel self-denial. Because that is what... The cross is about is denial of self. Whether it's Jesus who denied himself, it's us who deny ourselves and take up our cross. Jesus said you, to be a true follower, you must deny yourself. And let me give you a story because I think it tells it better than... It was a 99-degree September day in San Antonio, Texas, when a 10-month-old baby girl was accidentally locked inside of a parked car by her aunt. You've heard these stories, but... (laughs) Frantically, the mother and aunt ran around the auto in near hysteria while a neighbor attempted to unlock the car with a clothes hanger. Soon the infant was turning purple and foam was coming out of its mouth. and It had become a life-or-death situation, and his name was Fred Arola. He was one of the record drivers. He arrived on the scene and he grabbed a hammer and he smashed the back window of the car to set the infant free. And was he heralded as a hero? The lady was mad because he broke the window. What's more important? The baby or the window the cross or your convenience the cross 
It's not even on the same page, and I know that. But, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit just has to retune us and recalibrate us a little bit. And third, the cross should compel poverty of spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And what that means is poor in spirit is to acknowledge our spiritual poverty. Our spiritual bankruptcy before God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Those that recognize this. Would you stand with me? In his book, Great Themes of the Bible, Lewis Albert Banks tells of a story of D.L. Moody. He visited a prison. The prison's name was called The Tombs. And he preached to the inmates. And after he had finished speaking, Moody talked with a number of men in their cells. And he asked each prisoner this question, what brought you here? Again and again, he received replies like this. I don't deserve to be here. I was framed. I was falsely accused. I was given an unfair trial. Not one inmate would admit his guilt. And finally, in his process, he found a man with his face buried in his hands, weeping. And he asked him, he said, what's wrong, my friend? And as he inquired, the prisoner responded and said, my sins are more than I can bear. Blessed are those that recognize their spiritual poverty and the depth of their sin. The cross, the cross, God's haven, God's bridge, God's altar, you know, God's provision. And not just any cross, but the cross of Jesus Christ. Those two other crosses did nothing for your eternity. Outside reveal one truth, and that is that you can get in at the last minute. (laughs) The suffering of those two thieves does not have the impact. The suffering of the man in the middle, Jesus Christ. I know you love the cross. But to recalibrate our lives, why do I think we need to recalibrate our lives? I think because the winds are blowing with such turbulency and in so many directions, you know what I mean? And our anchors got to have something, you know, that still stands and holds. And to know that when, that you can pull into port, Pour it at the foot of the cross any time in your life and capture the headlines from heaven with regard to your life 
in the world and why we're here and what our mission is hallelujah and what our future holds all because of the cross of Jesus Christ and yes of course the resurrection nothing you know what I mean comes into play without the resurrection that's not what we're talking about you know what I mean there was a sacrifice before there was the miracle there was the investment before there was the return there was the self-denial before there was the promise and Jesus Christ made it and offers it to everybody and at 69 years old and having been raised in a church and by and large raised in the pew and so my life has known nothing but Jesus I never want to lose the gratitude But the reason that I don't have any horror stories to tell you about my life is because someone introduced me to Jesus Christ who had the horror story. And it's because of the cross that throughout my life I've had the blood of protection. I've had the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I've had a light shining on my pathway. So it doesn't make any difference if life has been tough or not so tough. There's a reason. Because all good things come from the Father above in whom there is no variableness nor is there shadow of turning. It's because of the cross that when bad things happened, God turns it so good comes out of it. The cross. Father, this morning, I thank you that you would give your son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, we thank you that you would take our place, become us, and overcome the will that we're built with. So that in a turn, we can have the power today to overcome our own will that leads us in wrong directions and makes us make unhealthy decisions that you took our sins and you gave us your righteousness. We'll leave this house this morning with an anthem in our hearts and that is the cross. God bless. Go with God as he's gone with you. Jesus bless you. Amen.